0: Does my heart good to see y'all here on a Sunday night to study the Bible? And the things that we're talking about are the things that you need to know. This is part two of repentance and the gospel. As you know, we are commanded to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I guess. A lot of people don't really know what the gospel is. The gospel is good news. It is not good news to tell people to keep the Ten Commandments or to tell people to turn from their sin. But a lot of people get that meaning from the word repent, which they get from a a dictionary or watch some famous evangelists do it and figure out, well, if I want to be successful, i got to do it the way they do it. Instead of looking at the Bible, I will say this. I went to Tennessee Temple back in 1964. A huge school, big school. Famous individual, Dr. Lee Robertson. And I believe he knew the Lord, loved the Lord, great soul winner. And everybody that wanted to go build a church copied Dr. Lee Robertson and how they did it. They had a bus ministry, I worked in the bus ministry. He was gonna hire me at one time to be the first full-time soul winner for Tennessee Temple. I guess that would be a great honor, and I was honored. And then Linton Fowler, whom I just went to see there in Miami, was working in the bus ministry and he introduced me to the heaven track. And the heaven track made a difference. It was so clear. I just started talking to people about the gospel from the heaven track. And I'd follow the heaven track. And it was amazing how many people trusted the Lord. Dr. Lee Robertson and others, they were fairly impressed. And I just thought, well, everybody ought to do it. But everybody didn't do it. Not all the bus directors did. I didn't know anything about FBC or Dr. Stanford. But while I was there... I realized that if, if I had stayed there for those four years because of the, the bigness of it, the majesty of it, I would be preaching the gospel exactly like what I hear today in many churches. Not because Dr. Lee Robertson, he didn't always preach it that way. Sometimes he would be very clear, but there were teachers in the school that didn't always make the gospel clear. And you'd come out with a, a wrong understanding. And you would take the word repent to mean you've got to turn from your sins, stop sinning. And if a man had to stop sinning, then we're all in a heap of trouble. Because there's not one of us that can stop sinning. You can't turn from your sins. It's like asking a dog, stop acting like a dog and I'll make you a chicken. A dog is a dog, and that's what a dog does. And people have a sinful nature. We sin. We are rebellious. You can't change your nature. That's why it's ridiculous for a person to try to change people's lives by just trying to reform them, trying to convert them. They have to trust Christ as Savior and receive a new birth, a new birth that comes from God, not from the world. So I want you to look there at the notes there. Does the Bible teach that an unbeliever must repent in order to be saved? Yes, it does. Every time I present the gospel, I teach repentance because I teach that a man must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. When I tell a person to believe, it means that they're unbeliever and they need to repent, change their mind, think differently, reconsider, and trust Christ as Savior. It is not turning from your sins and then meet the criteria or be good enough for God to save you if you quit all those bad things you're doing. It is impossible. And that's why you get somebody say, okay, I'll quit my drinking, I'll quit my smoking, I'll quit my cussing. All right, Then when they go back to those sins, then they think they've lost their salvation. Or some preacher tell them, you didn't really mean business, and you got to get saved again. And so how many times I've seen people going forward in their church trying to get saved over and over and over again. You can only get saved one time. And if you really believe and understand it, it's very simple. You see, eternal life is the gift of God. It's free. And all a man has to do to go to heaven is believe that when Christ died, he died for him. And if he paid for my sins, then I don't have to pay for my sins. I don't have to go to hell and pay for one of my sins because he paid for all of them. That, to me, was the best news in all the world. Look at the next paragraph. So what does repent mean in Acts 20:21? 20, 21? It says, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greek, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Change your mind. You cannot save yourself, therefore trust Christ. A man who goes to church and reads his Bible and prays and does all those good deeds in order to save himself must repent. Not from his sins, but from his good deeds. He has to change his mind. Those good deeds will not save you. And put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's simple when you understand the correct meaning. I want you to take your Bible and look in there in the book of Luke in chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. And I want to read this to you fairly quickly and then make some comments on it. There in the book of Luke chapter 16 it makes this statement. There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, been in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried, and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. So that they which, which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to you that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would have sent him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they come to this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. They will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. You see the word repent in the, uh, verse 30. They will repent. Down in verse 31 it says, they will not be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. You see, it's how you think and then being persuaded differently. To change your mind, to think differently. Evidently, if Lazarus is in Abraham's bosom, Then he must have listened to what the prophets and Moses had to say. Because he's also telling them that they have, he has to listen to what Moses and the prophets had to say, talking about his five brothers. But you see, not everybody listens, but he says, let them hear, hear them. You see, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So evidently in the Old Testament, Under the teaching of Moses and also the teaching of the prophets, there must have been enough of the gospel that could keep them out of hell. Because no man is saved by keeping the law. The Bible already states that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. So he's not telling you have to keep the law of Moses. But there's some teaching in there that lets a man know that he needs to trust the Lord. And as you'll find as you study the Old Testament, you'll see the word trust an awful lot. In the New Testament, we have believe, believe, believe. Believe and trust are the same thing. Even Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. That's how Abraham got there. He believed God. Because the Bible tells us in the book of Romans in chapter 4, what hath Abraham, our father, what hath he found? Well, he found out that he couldn't save himself by his works. And he simply believed in the Lord. And he makes a statement Because salvation has to be free. It is by grace. And if it's by works, well, then it can't be free. And the truth of the gospel, the test of the gospel, it has to be free. And it has to last forever. If either one of those are missing, then there's something wrong with the gospel message. When I went down and spoke at the Christian school this last week, and I had about 150 of the upper grades sitting there, and it was wonderful explaining the gospel. And then right at the end, I knew I'm going to give an invitation. I didn't ask if I could. I just, this is what I do. So I had them bow their head, and I asked them if what I said made sense to them. And I would have estimated a, a third of them, maybe even up to 50. But to be conservative, I'd say between 30 and 40. But there was, a, there was just a wave of kids all over the place. That indicated they would trust Christ. And then not, you know, uh, a half an hour later, somebody else. No, it was like whenever I said it, they all did it pretty much at the same time. It was just awesome. You couldn't say, God bless you fast enough. God bless y'all and y'all and y'all and y'all. But it was interesting. It's exciting. When you know that all they have to do is to believe. And if you can just believe this message, God said he would give you as a free gift, everlasting life. What does he say in John 3, 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever turns from his sins and obeys the Ten Commandments and goes to Calvary Community Church and pays 50% hath everlasting life. Now, did you hear anything wrong in there? A whole bunch of stuff. And the only thing he says is, whosoever believeth in him should not perish. He means won't go to hell. But have everlasting life. We can know that we're going to heaven when we die because eternal life is the gift of God and it's not of works lest any man should boast. Look there in Acts chapter 2 and verse 28. Just look here in your notes for the sake of time. I want you to see this. On your notes there, Acts 2.38. Like this man broke into this woman's house one night and uh, and she, she come walking out of the bedroom and he was over there doing some stuff and she says, axe 238. So he just froze, didn't move a muscle. She got the phone, she called the police, the police came, and the man was still standing there. And when the police got there, they said, What in the world did you just stand there because of a little old bitty woman? He said, Yeah, but when that woman told me she had an axe and 238s, I wasn't moving. Acts two thirty eight. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repent, says Peter, change your mind. Peter was preaching to the Jewish people. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. So he had told them what they had done, and by wicked hands they have taken the Son of God and slew him. And now they say, well, what must we do? And so they did not believe that the man Jesus was their Messiah or Christ, the God who would save them. So Peter let them know. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly. This is what you know. It has to do with your brain. has to do with what you're thinking. That God hath made the same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, change your mind, and see that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that He is the one, the Messiah that was to come. See, in their understanding, when He says, like in John chapter 4, uh, we saw this is the Christ, the Savior of the world. The one that should come. They already knew that the Messiah would come. The Christ would come. The Savior of the world. That's who he was and that's what he was going to do. They knew that he was supposed to make a payment for sin. But they didn't believe it. He said change your mind. Think differently. Reconsider this thing. See it means to change your mind and trust the Lord. And you would be cleansed in the name of And it says, to receive the forgiveness of sins. See, when you believe on Jesus Christ, God forgives you. He made a payment for all the sins of all the world. But you're not forgiven of your sins until you believe on him so that you can have forgiveness. He can only forgive you because he paid for the sin. The sin had to be paid. God just don't forgive you of your sins. It has to be paid for. There has to be a reason because there's a God in heaven and judicially God has to keep his law. So that he can be just when he justifies the unjust. So he says, "No, assuredly that this same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. And you and I know we're not talking about this thing down here to pump blood. I know it sounds romantic to say to your girlfriend, I love you with all my heart. Well, but really, you're saying I love you with all my brain, with all my mind. But it doesn't sound very romantic, does it? No. I love you with all my heart. Yeah. Maybe it sounds a little bit more, you know. But anyway, he says, they were pricked in their hearts and they made a statement. What shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. You do not get baptized in water for your sins to be paid for or to be taken away or to be forgiven. You're baptized by the Holy Spirit the very moment you trust Christ as your Savior and you're baptized into the body of Christ. This was there in the day of Pentecost. And this is when it began. But anyway, the Jews were pricked in their heart. Your heart is the part of you that thinks, feels, and wills. It is your mind. They needed to change their mind and believe that Jesus is the Lord. He is God. He is the promised Messiah. And this is why Jesus says to the Jewish people, he says, unless you believe that I am, you shall die in your sins. You see, Jesus is not just a man, because a man just can't save you. It was the God-man. He was perfect God and perfect man. And so he wasn't 50% man and 50% God. He was 100% man and 100% God, just without a sinful nature. And he came into this world to make a payment for our sins. He is the promised Messiah who would save them from their sin. Peter never mentioned in his sermon a need to quit sinning or feel sorry for sin to be saved. Though the Bible says they were pricked in their heart. And they trust the Lord. There was other ones when Stephen was preaching to them. They were pricked in their heart and stoned them to death. Remember that? Which one would you prefer? People getting right are stoning you to death. He is the promised Messiah who would save them from their sins. His sermon centered on the resurrection, proof that Jesus is both Lord and Christ. So it is evident from the context here also that repentance involves a change of mind. The basic meaning of the word salvation is deliverance. It can refer to deliverance from hell. Deliverance from ruin or loss. Deliverance from physical harm. Deliverance from the Philistines. Whatever a man is delivered or saved from is not included in the definition of salvation. You can be saved from a lot. I was saved from a car wreck the other day. I saved this one man's life. I thought about running him off the road, and then I changed my mind. Years ago, I had this one guy. I was going to kill him. So I didn't. So I saved his life. I'm joking now. I'm joking Whatever a man is delivered or saved from is not included in the definition of salvation. It is the same with the word repentance, which means change of mind. It can be used in a lot of ways because you can change your mind about a lot of things. Some of you weren't going to come tonight and you repented. And you came. There was other ones that probably said, I'm going to church tonight. And they they repented. They changed their mind and didn't go. So you can change your mind about a lot of things. I've heard about a lot of girls have been left standing at the altar. He promised to marry me. He changed his mind, evidently. Turn your paper over. It can refer to a change of mind about anything. Whatever a man changes his mind from or to is not included in the definition of repentance. Good illustration of repentance is found in Matthew 21. So take your Bible and turn to Matthew and chapter 21. You see, if a man has to turn from his sins in order to be saved, then I should preach that. Every preacher should preach it, if that's the truth. And if a man has to turn from his sins to be saved, I believe I owe them a list of what sins. And I should let him know by what date he has to turn from them. Because, I mean, this thing can't drag on forever. So is God going to save a man because he promises to turn from his sins? Or does God save the man when he stops his sinning? Isn't that a good question? Or when the man starts sinning again, does God take it away from him? If he does, can you really know for sure you're going to heaven when you die? If I have to stop my sins to be saved? At what point have I accomplished this? At what point did God save me? And if I go back to my sin and he takes it away, at what point did he do it? Is there any security there? You would have no clue where you're going when you die. Because your going to heaven would depend upon your performance. And it's not looking too good. Matthew 21, I want you to see this. In verse 28. But what think ye? You notice those two little words? Think ye? You ought to underline them. A certain man had two sons. He came to the first and he said, son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and he says, I will not. Don't that sound just like a son you may have. I will not. But look, afterwards he repented and he went. What do you think the word repent meant? If you went just by what it says, he changed his mind. I will not. And then afterwards he repented and he went. He changed his mind and he went. Look in verse 30. He came to the second and said likewise, and he answered and says, I go, sir. And he went not. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said unto him, the first. Jesus said unto him, them, verily I say unto you, now get the lesson, the point, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye, what's those two words? You ought to underline them. Ye believed him not. You did not believe it. You didn't believe. But the publicans and the harlots, and you ought to underline that word, believed him. And ye, when you had seen it, repented not afterwards. So even in the illustration, what would the word repent mean? Change your mind. You can't get it any better than that. God's Word generally will teach God's Word. He will explain what He means by what He's saying. And in the last part of verse 32 says, Repented not afterwards that you might what? Believe Him. So it's a choice. The Gospel is The good news of Jesus Christ dying on the cross and paying for our sins. And that we can be justified, made righteous, declared righteous, by faith alone without works of any kind. When you believe that, God saves you and justifies you. And you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. Look there in your notes again. The first paragraph. Thus believers can and need to repent also. But not about the same thing. The lost need to repent for. You see, there's scriptures that talks about the Christian need to repent. In the book of Revelation, chapter two, chapter three talks about the church repenting. So it's talking about those that were not doing right, and he says you need to repent and bring forth the first works. So there is a an inkling of an idea that he's talking about repent means to change your mind that leads to a change of action. So if you have a change of mind and it's talking to the lost man about the gospel. Change your mind. And the change of action would be you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trusting Christ as your Savior is the result of you changing your mind. that makes sense. When he's talking in the Old Testament you'll find the word repent used and you'll also find it talking about the things that happen in life and as a nation the nation was judged to be rebellious and God was going to use another nation as a rod to whoop his people. Then after he gets through whooping them with this rod then he usually would break the rod because they were bad too. So God can use bad people to whip God's people. That ain't no fun at all. And God says for us to learn things from this. So we are to forsake our evil way because of judgment in this life upon us physically that God can take you out of this life. And a lot of things can happen to you in this life. So as a child of God, you can live like you please. But you can't get away with it. There's a price to pay. So God, even to the believer, asked the believer to repent, change your mind, think differently, reconsider, and do the first works like loving the Lord like we're supposed to. You can do the works, but do you love the Lord? And therefore, God talks about, even in chapter 16, about how that the people, even though they were being tormented in the tribulation period, says they repented not because of the plagues that came upon them. Because you see even lost people have to understand that they can't live as they please and get away with it either. The wickedness that's going on right now in America by the homosexuals and the abortion and all those things that are wrong, there's a price to pay. God will have to judge this nation because God is a just God. And it doesn't matter if lost people rebel against God or God's children rebel against God. They both need to repent, change their mind, and correct the problem. So the Lord tells us to do this. Look up there in that note that I want to show you. A believer in the city of Samaria was told to repent. We know he was a believer because Acts 8.13 says, Then Simon himself believed also. When Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was given to people at that point in time, through laying on of the apostles' hands, he tried to buy this power from them. Peter told him, Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness and pray God. You see, this is talking about a saved man turning from sin. See, God does want his children to turn from sin because after you trust Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit lives within you. Now you have the power in your life. To guard against some of those things and refrain some of those things and yielding yourself to the Lord. I believe that after knowing the Lord for 52 and a half years, knowing the Lord and walking with the Lord, I believe that power to walk with God has kept me from an awful lot of sins that I would have been in if it hadn't have been for knowing the Lord. You should believe that also. Doesn't knowing the Lord and loving the Lord and want to walk with the Lord put restraints upon your life? Isn't there things that you would have done and would like to do because of the Lord you haven't done? So this is what he's talking about here. Look there at the next paragraph. Simon thought was a prideful one. He put himself first. He wanted the preeminence. He needed to change his mind, repent, about this wickedness. All believers need to repent. We need to change our minds concerning sin in our lives. We need to see it as God does. Admit we are wrong, confess it, forsake it, and then God promises he will prosper us. Pride, which is self-centeredness, can creep in very subtly. It takes many forms. Self-pity. Do you know self-pity, poor me, and all that stuff? is means that you are focusing upon yourself. People who have a bad self-image are selfish people. All they think about is themselves. Me, 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 me. You're not making me happy. Things aren't working good for me. And they have their pity parties. I don't have much of a problem with an image problem. Why are you laughing? You probably don't either. But when you know the Lord and you love the Lord, you know who you are. I'm important because God says I'm important. I'm not important because you say I am. I am because, look, I'm of great value. God sent his son to buy me. That's how much I'm worth. Every morning I look in that mirror and say, you're somebody. You tiger, you don't you ever die. Well, maybe I don't do it every morning, just every once in a while. But it's so important of how you think. And you're not supposed to lift yourself up so high. I joke a lot, and I hope you all understand that. (laughs) Get the next statement. A believer may repent about sin, but repentance is not the same thing as sorry for sin. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed unto repentance. You see, it's like a, a thief getting caught by the policeman sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry he's all oh, he's repentant isn't that wonderful no he's sorry he got caught he's not sorry for what he's done He's sorry you caught him and there's a lot of people who are sorry because of what happens to them but they don't think about it was their decisions that caused all that to happen to them and so they don't change their ways and correct the problem God wants his children to correct the problem uh, while we're on this subject, <laughs> for the next hour and a half, take your Bible and look there in the book of Revelation in chapter 3. Revelation and chapter 3. This church had a problem. They weren't on fire for the Lord, and they weren't really cold toward the Lord. They were what we would call lukewarm, lukewarm. You said, well, God ought to be satisfied with that as long as I'm lukewarm. I may not be hot, but I'm not cold, so I'm just right there lukewarm. That'd be a good place. That's just a good happy average. You know, I'm the worst of the best, but I'm the best of the worst. Ah. So he says here in verse 14, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, right? This is in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. These things saith the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou art cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Look what God said: You make me sick. Because, his why? Because he's talking to believers, not talking to lost people. This is talking to God's children, and says, because thou sayest, I am rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. That thou mayest be rich and white raiments, that thou mayest be clothed. And that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eyes sad that thou mayest see. And look in verse 19. As many as I love I rebuke and chasten. This is the same as Hebrews chapter 12. You see, God is going to rebuke you, and God is going to chasten you. And he does it a lot of different ways. When you're not doing what's right, God has a ways and means committee. And he's sending them after you. And you don't know when nor how. But God ain't going to tolerate your foolishness. Now you can decide, hey, no, if this is true, and I believe it is, why not live in a state of repentance? Always keep changing the mind about things based upon what God says. I think this. God says this. I think God says this. Well, I don't see anything. But God says, go by what God says. Look at that verse. In verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and what? And repent. This is talking to the saved person, not the lost person. So the word repent means to change your mind, think differently, reconsider. Look at the results that this way of thinking is going to produce in your life. And so God has given us a few little admonitions along the way. Look there again in the middle of the page. Sorrow can lead a man to change his mind. Godly sorrow works repentance. It does not say that godly sorrow is the same as repentance. Because a lot of preachers think that you've got to get these people, see, to turn from their sins. So if i got to get you to quit your sinning, then i got to preach about how wicked you are and how bad you are and try to get you to feel real sorry and tell a tear-jerking story so I can make you start crying. And break. i got to break you down. So I get you all the way. And I give the invitation. I just come to crying. That's not necessary. Trusting Christ ought to be an intelligent decision that you make. I am a sinner. Christ died for my sins. If I trust him, he will save me. Now, I don't care if you do it with a smile on your face or a tear in your eye. It's not the smile and it's not the tear that saves you. It's not because you went forward in the church or raised your hand. You got saved because you trusted Christ as your Savior. And that's between you and God. Nobody can do it for you. So as we go through some of these things, it's so important to keep the gospel clear. That is not necessary. But what you believe about the meaning of the word is going to bring you to a different conclusion in the presentation of your gospel. Look there in Hebrews chapter 6 in verse 1 right there in your notes just right there. Therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ let us go on to perfection and not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. You see talking to believers about going to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from, from dead works. So repenting is you changing your mind about trying to save yourself because your works are dead. You are separated from God and your works cannot bring you to God. You are separated from God. That's why when you trust Christ as your Savior, you are quickened, made alive. You're dead until that time, separated from the Lord. So God says, don't trust in your dead works for salvation, but your faith in Christ is what saved you, as he says right there in this verse. Look at the next statement. What is it that unbelievers need to change their mind about? To tell a lost man that he must turn from sin in order to be saved is to tell him to do something that is impossible for him to do. His sin is within. All he has is an old sin for nature with no power to overcome it. For when we were without strength, it means when you didn't have the power to turn from your sin, Christ died for you. Because you had no strength. Because you couldn't save yourself that's why christ died in due time christ died for the ungodly well if you could stop all of your sins and turn from your sins as a lost man in order to get saved then you could live godly and then you wouldn't be ungodly and then he wouldn't have had to die for you you can see where that goes that's why it leads to a man trusting in his own salvation I stopped my sins. I gave up my smoking and my drinking and my lying and my running around. As though that's all their sins they had. They forget about lying. They forget about the lust of the flesh. The pride of life. See, they don't even think about that. They don't even think about those ugly pictures. They hang on the walls of their mind. Or well, you may not hang them on the walls of your home or the walls of the church. But they're hanging in there. So... Um, The next statement, we were without strength. To turn from sin takes power, and a lost man does not have that power or strength. When he trusts Christ, he receives that power. Why must he turn from sin to be saved if Christ has already paid the penalty for the sin? Christ paid for all sin on the cross. True biblical repentance for salvation is a man rejecting salvation by works and trusting Christ by faith. So, when the Bible talks about God hath commanded that all men repent, then every man has to repent. Reject salvation by works. Realize you cannot save yourself. Change in your mind. Think differently. You can only be saved by trusting Christ. There is no other way, there is no other name given. Under, men, under heaven, whereby a man must be saved. Look at the next statement. God's desire is for all men to change their mind and trust Him alone for their salvation so they will not perish. God does not want a person to perish, but that all should come to repentance, to change their mind. God does not make people trust Him. God does not make you serve Him. God allows a lost man to suffer the consequences of his decision. But God also allows the saved man to suffer the consequences of his bad decisions. All of life is made up of choices. You choose in every day of what it's going to be. So as a child, you can either be obedient or disobedient, but you're still a child. Look at the last paragraph and we'll close. For the sake of the lost man, present repentance clearly the way God's word presents it as a change of mind. To be saved, you no longer put your trust in your works, but in Christ alone to get you to heaven. God is grieved to hear a preacher say in the same sermon, I believe salvation is by grace through faith. And then just a few minutes later, he denies that by saying a lost man must turn from his sin and trust in Christ to be saved. And what makes this contradiction even worse is that he tells the church to sing just as I am. you got to turn from your sin. Now let's all stand and sing just as I am. And they can't see that something's wrong here. That's why when you have a clear gospel message, you have to have a presentation of that message or an illustration of that message. So the method that you use must be in harmony with the message. So the method that I use, is in harmony with the message we proclaim. Because I don't want to say it's free and then I do all kinds of things that adds works to it. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin in us and this is just the result of it. Why do I do all these bad things? Because I have a bad sinful nature. It's my nature I am rebellious by nature. I want my own way. So do you. We're all the same. God says there is no difference. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, short of God's perfection. So the Bible says to pay for sin is eternal separation from God. Since all have sinned, all are condemned, and no man can save himself. To go to heaven, you have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We're not good enough to go to heaven. No man's ever lived good enough to go to heaven. So the Bible says we cannot save ourselves. It's not by what we do. So I don't have to try to turn from my sins. It ain't going to help. Because my sinful nature is on the inside of me. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into this world. Had no sin didn't have to die. But because He loves us, hates our sin because it separates us from Him. Jesus Christ took all the sin of all the world paid for it on the cross 2,000 years ago. The payment has been made for everybody in the world. But their sins are not forgiven until they individually believe He paid for my sins. Therefore, God can forgive me based upon this payment He made. That's why he told his disciples, go in to preach the forgiveness of sins. Evidently, they weren't forgiven yet. But he will forgive whosoever. And that's why he also makes a statement in the book of Acts chapter 13. Be it known unto you, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. That whereby you could not be justified by the law of Moses. You can by trusting Christ as your Savior. So when I believe when Christ died, he died for for my sins. And if I believe that, He puts that payment to my account. I get to go to heaven on what He did. He gets all the credit, all the honor, all the glory. I did absolutely nothing. All I did is believe the message. And whosoever, whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, means you won't go to hell, but have everlasting life. You add one work to the gospel, it's no longer the gospel. It's no longer free. And the reason it can last for eternity is because it was a gift and he paid for all of my sins. But if he left one of my sins out there 10 years down the road, he didn't pay for one of them down there, I will be okay until I hit that sin. Then it's all she wrote. And he didn't do me any favors. It's not good news to be saved for a day or to be saved for a week or to be saved for a month or to be saved for a year. Or to be saved right up until the time I die. But it is good news to be saved forever. And that's what the Bible teaches. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, if you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you simply talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Christ died, paid for my sins, and I'm going to trust him right now as my only hope of going to heaven. Friend, if you will do that, God said he would save you and give you eternal life. If you will do so, I'd like to have prayer for you. And I want you to know that, I love you. I care about you. I want to be certain that you go to heaven when you die. And I'd like to pray for you in closing. So if you've never trusted the Lord, and you'll do it right now, would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? want at all? If you have already trusted Christ as your Savior, or you that are watching by Internet, remember, there's nothing else that you have to do. But once you trust Christ as Savior, it is the will of God that God's children repent of the things that are in your life that are not honoring to God. Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us, for this time together. Bless those, Lord, that are not able to be with us because of various reasons. And Father, we thank you so much for this ministry. And bless the work that goes out over the Internet. In Christ's name, amen.